Hello, and welcome to Enzo's Theater of the World. I'm your host, Enzo Kunanen. And I'm Ethan. And today we're going to be talking about Prester John. So, people don't know a lot about Prester John nowadays, and that's probably because... He of the missionary impulse, which uh, which the, which so uh, I guess defined and sort of was a part of his legend, kind of faded has faded away in more modern times in Christianity because of secular you know frowning up people frowning upon you know the whole imperial cultural imperialism aspect of it, but like also there's just so many weird things that we think people in medieval times did that Prester John for all his fabulousness is. I would even venture to say too fabulous. So, like, I think we suffer it's, from a surfeit. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, like um, he's. It just like seems like a pastiche of everything going on. Like, on the wacky and ridiculous claims everyone made. It's like, hey, what if we made a whole book about it and it's super crazy and like not actually that interesting? Because it's, it feels so ridiculous to the point where it's not genuine. That's true. And so, what? who was Prester John? Well, Prester John was a, was a legendary Christian king who lived somewhere in the, in the Middle East or, the, or, or, or Asia or maybe Africa. And, uh, for re, for, and he ruled over a kingdom of riches, marvels, biblical wonders, strange creatures. And he was a Christian king who was mighty and powerful and rich and also he didn't exist. I feel this is worth noting. He did not exist. People thought he existed up until the 1750s. They they were just like, even when they thought... They really, really wanted the idea of a cool Christian king. Even what just... even Voltaire, who should have known better, was like, oh yeah, totes, he was like a minor king in Asia who was conquered by Genghis Khan. But like, that's not true, because this man, again, did not exist. I don't care who you identify him with. At the end of the day, it's those figures stand on their own, and Prester John, does, he just does not exist. So, if you're wondering why his location is so vague, uh, and that's why, so that you can't disprove it. I would somewhere like, there. I would like to point out that we're going to get later on into the letter he is supposed to have sent to the Byzantine Emperor, and you will be quickly able to see why I am so, so definitive on why he does not, uh, that he does not exist, because it is very obvious to anyone with a, like, who's not been living under a rock for, like, all of their life, frankly. Literally go outside and you'll be able to see this. Anyway, so we... The origins of Presser John date back to around the time of the Second-ish Crusades in around 1122, when someone named uh, some somewhat some bishop, some Indian bishop, uh, supposedly visited Const- named John. He supposedly ha- spoke a strange language, and he claimed to come from the shrine of Saint Thomas in India. And there was, in fact, a group of Christians in India known as Saint Thomas Christians who still live there. They are um, they. They claim to be descended from the first uh, Christians in India who were converted by the Apostle Thomas. However, this John, the Indian, whoever he was, claimed that he uh, lived in a capital city, the capital city of India, known as Holno, which had a river running through it with an endless supply of gold and gems on its banks, and everyone was wealthy, and St. Thomas's body was preserved. um, If you know anything about economics, if gold and gems are really that crazy... crazy common nobody would people would not be super rich yeah so i feel like he failed to say that however people don't really start talking about prester john too much 
up until 1144, when Edessa, the Syrian crusader stronghold, falls to the Muslims. And so, two years later, there's a chronicler named Otto of Freising, and he heard from a friend who heard from Hugh, the bishop of the Syrian city of Jabala, that there was a Nestorian Christian prince known as John. Now, what are Nestorians? Because this term will keep coming up again. So, Nestorians believe that Jesus had two distinct natures, a human nature and a divine nature. However, in Chalcedonian, in Chalcedonian Christ, Christianity, they be, which is mainstream Christianity, they believe that, sort of like orthodoxy, Catholicism, and Protestantism, they believe that Jesus' human and divine natures were one. In, like, they were separate, but they were also in one existence, but Nestorians believe they were in separate existences. It's incredibly specific, and frankly, no one now cares about it, but it was very big at the time, because, you know... And a bit more importantly, it was common in the East. Oh, so, very common. Yeah. It spread throughout the Silk Roads and whatnot. Uh, so anyway, Otto claims that there was that this man w- w- was descended from the Magi, and he had recently conquered Persia, defeating a pair of brothers known as the Samiards, and supposedly he had even crossed into Mesopotamia to suppose to help the Crusaders in the defense of the Holy Land. Unfortunately, he uh, was blocked by some. Um, he was blocked by the flooding of his blocked by the flooding of the Tigris, and so he learned, according to Otto, that quote unquote, the same river was frozen over with wintry ice, and he waited for several years, delayed by the frost, but he was unable to cross because of the continuation of bad weather. Sure, it, it was. I would like to point out it, never, is, it does not freeze in Iraq. It, it, it really doesn't. I don't understand the point here. And also, if it was really that big of a deal to you, you would have just built a bridge over it. You will be surprised to learn that there was there is actually a historical battle, uh, like uh, sort yeah, of underlying this. That, right? No, it's not. It's not Alexander. Not, but like he didn't he build a bridge, or was that someone else? Okay, everyone built bridges. Xerxes built a bridge to cross over into Europe, but that's not anyway. So like, and Dionysus is supposed to have built a bridge o- over the I don't Tigris. Even think the Tigris is all that wide. It's right? really not. Although the Tigris was apparently rapid enough for it to gain the name of you know that's why Tiger Tiger Tigris. Yeah, anyway, no, point is you could build a bridge quite easily. Anyway, if it was not important. Anyway, to you. so the. The historical event that underlies this is there was a group of Central Asian nomads known as the Karakatai or the Western Liao, also known. As, so the Karakatai were ruled were a Central Asian yet semi-Chinese cultured uh, group ruled by the Khitan, who were sort of relatives of the Mongols. And after the collapse of the Liao dynasty. Uh, they had fled to Central Asia because another Central Asian group known as the Jin had conquered them. And in Central Asia, the Karakatai, under their leader, Yelu Dashi, also known as Emperor Dezong because he was their emperor, uh, defeated the Seljuk Turks in the Battle of Katwan near Samarkand. Now, the Seljuks were the current rulers of Persia, and they were Turkic, and so they were, again, another Central Asian group. And so, but what mattered to them was that Yelu Dashi and the Kitai, the Kitai, Kitai had defeated the Seljuks, who were Muslims, and so they were like, oh, this must be a good guy. Uh, however, Yelu Dashi was not Christian, he was Buddhist, although there were quite a lot of Christians in his entourage, probably because of the whole Nestorian thing. Uh, and similarly, the Samiyard brothers, who were defeated by Yelu Dashi at Katwan, were, it was just in fact one guy named Ahmad Sanjar, and he wasn't even killed at the battle, which kind of, you know, throws a wrench in the whole thing. But... Nothing more is recorded for two decades up until copies of a certain letter begin to spread throughout Europe. 
It is known as the Letter of Prester John, and supposedly it was written to the Byzantine Emperor. However, considering it, it's for it's like it's it was like first wrote in like Latin, even though it claims it's written in Greek. You know, most scholars do think it was never addressed to the Byzantine Emperor, primarily because. Um, the author of the unknown author of this in trying to inhabit the role of Prester John, the persona of Prester John has adopted such a condescending attitude towards the Byzantine emperor that it is very hard to believe that this would have ever like reached him. Oh, or... So what would be the end goal of sending a He's fake bragging. Le- what would be the end goal of sending a fake letter to the like well, it did make its way to the Pope eventually. So yeah, I, like I don't understand what the point, what the end game would be if he really did send it over, right? Yeah, maybe just to inform people of how great he was. Yeah, I'll read. Yeah, so- except the guy who wrote this, like we know, he, he it's a fake author. According to the International Prester John Project, which is a great website which I'm relying heavily on, it says that uh, the the people there say that. The letter, quote-unquote, does not very much increase its audience's knowledge of the elusive figure to whom, which, to which accounts seem to allude. Readers learn little of the actual location of John's lands, and even less about his locations. And then it points out that it does borrow from previous sources, including something known as the Alexander Romance, which was sort of a body of fan fiction and lore about Alexander the Great, which yeah. which ranged all the way from, oh, his father wasn't Philip II of Macedon, it was secretly the Egyptian pharaoh Nectanebo II disguised as the god Amun who slept with his mother Olympias, to he, Alexander the Great uh, went into the land of darkness and then went underwater in a diving bell and spoke to the yeah. king of the fish, which is, you know, it's just absurd things like that. But- and then another thing, like... For for a for a letter that's supposed to be sent during the Crusades, right? Yeah, seemingly very little actual strategic information. Like, oh no, he's not hey, giving us. I'm here, so maybe we could meet up here. And def- no, literally no useful inf- information. Just bragging for like the whole. Some people do think 351 pages in this uh, PDF. Some people think that. Uh, yeah, this is a book, uh, another book. It's called Prester John, The Legend and Resources. It's by Keegan Brew. It's very helpful, and it's one of my main sources for this episode. So, anyway, so Prester John's letter, it was copied and recopied, and lots of stuff was added to it, so I'm just going to read part of it, uh, because it's just so incredibly insane. So, it begins, Prester John, Lord of Lords, by the power and virtue of God and our Lord Jesus Christ to Emmanuel... Roman governor, that he's referring to the Byzantine emperor, Manuel Komnenos, let us rejoice in salvation and cross over to the end in rich by grace. It was announced to our majesty that you admire our excellence and that mention of our highness was made to you. But we have also learned through our delegate that you wish to send certain playful and delightful things to us from which our justice might be amused. And he said, and then he goes on to insult him and say, oh, blah, blah, blah. We will, if you wish to come to our domain, we will set you up as a great and worthy man of our house. Like, And again, um, they don't really need you to come... They don't really want to come to your domain. They're just trying to take over the Holy Land. So you might want to mention that sooner or later. Yeah, but then Prester John goes on to say, if you truly, or not Prester John, we'll refer to him as Prester John, but this is more like the author inhabiting the persona of Prester John. If you truly wish to know the magnitude and excellence of Her Highness, and in which lands her power dominates, understand and believe without doubt, and he keeps on on underscoring, by the way, his uh, reliability because he's faking it, 
that I, Prester John, am Lord of Lords and exceed all kings of the entire earth in virtue, power, and all the riches under heaven. I don't know what he's trying to get out of this letter, right? Bragging. Bragging rights. I, I, I don't even know. It's Some people think that this letter was written to extol the, the, the superiority of the church to, like, the Holy Roman Emperor because, like, there was a power struggle between them over who got to ordain bishops. And so what Prester John's doing is he's combining Pope and King in one place. Yeah. Wait, I'm... Hold on. So, at any point in the letter, does uh, Prester John, like, um, try to ex- ask for something out of them? I like, don't think so. Yeah, because I was wondering, what if it's, like, a Nigerian th- prince type yeah, letter? No. no. He says, 72 kings are tributary to us. I am a devoted Christian, and everywhere we protect the poor Christians that our clemency's authority rules over. We have it on oath to visit the Lord's sepulchre with the greatest army, to humble the glory of our majesty, and to vanquish the enemies of the cross of Christ and exalt his blessed name. So far, so good. That sounds like he's going to actually do something with the Crusades. But then he goes on and continues bragging. And also, I'd like to notice, 72 kings did not name a single one of them. Our magnificence dominates in the three Indias, which is India, which, by the way, is India in the mainland in Southeast Asia and then Ethiopia because they just threw that in there because why not and our land crosses from farther India in which rests the body of St. Thomas the Apostle through the desert and proceeds to the sunri- towards the sunrise and returns down into the Babylonian desert next to the Tower of Babel. I have no idea the geography of that and you won't know either. It doesn't really matter. There's no record of where the Babel Tower was. Well it was in Babylon in Iraq. I don't know what he's talking about here. Oh, yeah. What do you mean towards the sunrise? That's in the east. And then he goes back to west. See, this is what I, I don't appreciate about the Prester John letter. It feels like it's bombastic with no personality. It's just like if you try to... Oh, it's great nothing, section. And just, ah, bah, bah, we have this and this and this and a bunch of like holy land cliched ideas. It's like the Holy and, Land experience in yeah. the U.S. No, nothing really unique. It's just a lot of stuff. 72 provinces serve us, of which few are made of Christians, and each of them has its own king, which, who are all tributaries to us. And our land are born and raised, and then he lists a long list of animals, among which are elephants, dromedaries, camels, hippos, crocodiles, methagalinary, camethetinus, dins... We, we have no idea. These seem to... He actually makes up some animals and just throws them in there. Yeah, maybe m- thinking, oh wow, I'm so uncultured compared to him. I don't know what those are. Leopards, well, donkeys, white and red lions, white bears, white blackbirds, silent cicadas, griffins, white blackbirds? Tig- don't think about it. Griffins, tigers, jackals, hyenas, and then uh, and then either sa- <laughs> Jesus savage pigs as large as oxen with teeth one cubit long, great savage dogs the size of horses. This is, um... Men without heads, yeah. one-eyed men, savage men, savage cows, little horned yeah. men, savage horses, savage donkeys, men with 12 feet, 6 arms, 12 hands, 4 Basically, heads. Basically, this thing is going on for... I feel like Eminem in uh, Rap God. Yeah. It goes on for, like, a good paragraph. In this PDF, it's actually called Interpolation D. It's so long. There are also born in our land women with great bodies, beards down to their breasts, savage cows, archers, centaurs, savage men, horned men, fawns, satyrs, and women of the same race, pygmies, dog-headed men, giants, Feet height is 40 cubits, one-eyed men, cyclopses, and the phoenix, and every kind of animal under heaven. And, and also ants the size of puppies. Single, single illustration. And ants the size of puppies who we get gold from, and also people who only feed on meat, and they are named Gog and Magog, Amic, Agigar, and blah, 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 blah. a bunch of random nonsense names. He also, he then says, Our land flows with milk, honey, abounds in milk, which is a really literal interpretation of that phrase, I must say. In a certain land of ours, no poisons harm, nor does the chattering frog croak. No scorpion is there, nor any snape serpent snaking in the grass. 
of poisonous animals cannot live in that place nor hurt anyone. The river Edonus proceeds from paradise and flows through our kingdom, extending its windings uh, th through the entire province and by... And, are found, and in that place are found common stones, emeralds, sapphires, carbuncles, uh, topazes, crystallized... You, you see a common theme here. He lists a thing and then goes on to make... He just says, like, oh, and we have this, and then lists on every possible version of that thing he can think he of. He also claims there's two-headed horned serpents with eyes that shine like yeah. lamps. Also, Wh their land seems so good that it feels like they'd actually be pretty bad in fighting. Cause it no does. One, How are you Like, imagine fight? these, like, people who've been pampered all of their life living in what is essentially the promised land, and then they try to help you fight and immediately die because they stepped in poison ivy. He claims there's also Mount Olympus there, and that there's a- That's literally in Greece. And that there's a fountain of youth, and also stones which restore people's sights. Sight? This- no offense, but their army sounds like it would be incredibly useless. He also claims there's something known as the Cavern of Dragons. Oh my god. Where, where, where they're, like, very intelligent dragons and who are controlled by wizards? Yeah. I <laughs> what? This whole thing just sounds like asking, like, a kid what his, like, ideal island would be like. Oh, uh, yeah, and it'll have dragons and monster trucks and fire. Monster truck. And lava and volcanoes and uh, a tornado that goes whoosh, and then I can fly and everyone will be the Superman. And, but, you know what I mean? It's... It's just this for 351 pages. He says, he also says that there's a sandy sea without water and the sand moves like waves, but it's never common. You can't cross it, but also there's fish in it. And he also claims that there's, uh, there's like salamanders who live in fire and also, and also our men abound in all riches. There is no poor man among us. <sighs> Saucy. Neither thief nor robber is found among us. Oh god, not again. Nor does any sick flatterer have a place there. And nor is there greed. No division ex exists among us. Yeah. Wow, a socialist utopia. He also claims, yeah, he goes on and on. And he also claims that every year we visit the bottle of Saint, body of Saint Daniel the prophet in the Babylonian desert. And he also claims we rule over the Amazons and the Brahmins. A.k.a. Hindu Brahmins of the highest caste, and which is fact, insane. And fun they don't. He also claims that his palace is just truly astounding and that it is made of all sorts of different precious materials so that he sleeps on a bed of sapphire because it uh, helps protect his chastity. I, I, this entire manuscript is basically unbearable to read. And that the tables in wh which his, the court, his court eats are made of gold or amethyst and the windows are made of crystal. Unfortunately for him, this is proof that Riches cannot buy you taste, because good lord. This would look awful. I really want someone to illustrate this. Yeah, here's the thing. For all of the great things he describes in this, from the, the blah 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 animals to the five million gemstones in his toilet seat, there is not a single illustration, I think. It, amusingly, he claims that his palace resembles the palace that quote-unquote the apostle thomas designed for gondophorus the king of the indians however this is taken directly from the acts of thomas but in reality the acts of thomas specifically stated that this palace never came to fruition because king gondophorus commissioned the palace from thomas who was a carpenter and then thomas gave all the money he was supposed to use for it to the poor and so he's like oh what are you what did you do with my money where's my palace and he's like oh well i'm building you a palace in heaven and then he threw him in prison, which, you know, fair. That's fair. But, That's not what he meant, but, Thomas. But this proves that the author of this letter did not know the acts of Thomas and was just BSing a lot of it, frankly. Which this is like, I don't... Who writes 
I can't imagine the guy who wrote this being incredibly fun to be around either. Amusing, he sounds like a braggart. Amusingly, he also says that we have the most beautiful women, but they do not come to us except for the sake of begetting sons four times a year and sanctified by us in this way, like Bathsheba by David, which is the worst possible analogy is, he could have isn't chosen. Isn't that one who, the, like, the temptress? He no, no, da- no, David slept with Bathsheba, summoned Bathsheba to him, slept with her, and then had, had her husband put on the front line so he oh, could die. Oh, it's not, oh my god. What? I, I am, this man does not know the Bible. I'm gen, who write, this is like, what, yeah, um, basically there's, it's a kind of back then, you know, before they let anyone read the Bible, some people would, you know, kind of come away from the Bible oh, yeah. with very, very wrong interpretations. This sounds like the guy who went to church and lit- and the only thing he understood was that all the cool guys have really nice palaces and arcanes. Yeah, that's true. And I s- feel like he slept throughout the entire Jesus thing. Yeah, and so there's a, yeah, and so he claims that, the letter also claims that 30,000 men eat at our table and that there is a giant there's at the top of uh, the a bunch of columns which is like hundreds of columns high or whatever i don't know i i can't read that there is a mirror which is consecrated quote unquote so that all war machines and things that occur for us in the provinces adjacent to and subjected to us can be most clearly seen and known by those looking upon it. So it's a magic mirror. magic mirror. It's a magic this mirror. This man is a clown. Every month, seven kings, 62 dukes, and 365 counts service at our table, each according to their rank. Twelve archbishops eat on our right-hand side and 20 also, bishops on our left-hand why, side. Why did he say there was no division and then, and then now mentions all of the hierarchy? No, I think he means like no strife, no discord. No, but then he also the thing where everyone was equal. Well, and don't think of that. Man, if everyone, may, if every man is rich, why does it matter? He also claims, and finally, he also talks about a great tree of of like apples and like palaces filled with gems and whatever. It's now, if you're getting tired of the bragging, I can't read it. We are a hundred pages in. This is three hundred. I can't read pages. that anymore. It goes even further on. How God knows. So this is funny. So. Starting in, so anyway, Pope Alexander III, who received the letter, was like, huh, I do believe this. And so he wrote a letter back to Prester John, and he sent it via his physician, Philip, and in 1177. And nothing more is recorded of Philip, and Wikipedia reports that it is, quote unquote, most probable he did not return I don't understand with the, from Prester what the John. idea was. You, you mean the guy who did not tell you where he lived? So in twelve, you want to send the letter? I just imagine that he died, like exhausted in the jungle. Like, where, where's <laughs> Prester John? Where's Prester John? A few decades later, the Fifth Crusade took place, and as you can tell, the First Crusade was the only successful one. And in twelve twenty one, the Bishop of Vitry, uh, no, the Bishop of Acre, Jacques de Vitry, returned from the disastrous Fifth Crusade with good news. King David, the grandson or maybe the son of Prester John, had mobilized his army against the Saracens and had conquered Persia and was on his way into the Middle East right now. Definitely. Unfo- he, he, he included a lot of details, you know. Oh, he's conquered the provinces of Khorasan, and he's also, you know, and, and Samarkand, and Bukhara, and... Uh, and, like, Dr. Bakir, and he's also conquered the Khorasmians. Unfortunately... The Khwarezmian Empire, which was currently in burning rubble and ruins, was had not been conquered by a Christian King David. It was conquered by someone you will know more familiarly as 
by Temujin, or as you may know him, Pre Genghis Khan. That's right, they thought Genghis Khan was Prester John, because they and were not, like, he's killing the Muslims, that means he's on and, our side. And by proxy thought that Genghis Khan was a good guy. Oh no, they were like, yeah, see, uh, uh, he, he's ours, he's obedient to God and the Holy Church and liberates believers. And I, I, I imagine them hearing him come to the, the city and he's like, I am the flail of God, and they're like, yay, before he... <laughs> He immediately murders a city of, like, a thousand Christians. In all fairness, this would only be if they resisted him, I feel. Which I feel like they would. Why would once... he resist? Yeah, okay, once he realized, you know. Yeah, because they'd be it's like, Our Christian king is coming! He's like, Christian, what are you talking about? I'm just here to get land. The great blue sky wants me to conquer all... Wait, what? No! <laughs> we can't let a pagan rule us. Die! We thought <laughs> flail of God, you meant Christian God. What do you mean? We see some Nestorian dude whispering to him. Oh, you mean like that now? I just said God that. because you guys told me about him and he sounded kind of cool. Also, he seems a lot angry all the time, so... I like that. <laughs> That's my guy. I, I imagine Genghis Khan, like, reading the Bible and it's like, Wow, this book is so cool. I love this angry God who kills a bunch of people and then stops before reading the New Testament. The historian in me feels it's worth pointing out that I don't think Genghis Khan could actually read, but Probably whatever. not, but, like, people could probably tell him about what was in it. And you're like, ah, oh, yes, he once commanded his people to kill an entire city and, like, an entire civilization of people. However, if it wasn't clear already, the Mongol invasions of Hungary and then... Muscovy, and then later the sack of Baghdad, where they trampled the caliph to death with horses after wrapping him up in a rug so they wouldn't be able to spill his blood on the earth. Uh, they, they, they found it pretty quickly that uh, the Mongols were equal opportunity uh, destroyers. And so for the first time, Europe faced th a, th a threat, which was not just Muslim. It was now this pagan superpower. And so they... But fortunately, the Mongols were very big on trade and, you know, and communication and connections. And so... Unfortunately, they also wanted to bring you under their control, which was, uh... Yeah, so they... So the Pope and other people kept on sending missionaries, including Odoric of Pordenone and William of Rubruck and Giovanni da Pian del Carpine in the 1250s to try and convert the Mongols to Christianity so they could make say. the Prester John legend into a reality, which is... I don't understand insane. how... Do they think that he hasn't heard of Christianity yet? He's already conquered Muscovy. No, no, but they're like, oh, he's the heretic. These are the heretics. We can persuade him with the true faith. No, you can't. He's already been in places with Christians. Now, the people who actually... Now, now the missionaries who actually tried to persuade uh, the Mongol Khans of Christianity became convinced rather quickly that Prester John had, was not as much as he was cracked up to be. Now, note they didn't say, oh, he didn't exist. They were like, oh, no, he did exist. He's just, he was just a minor king and he got conquered like the Voltaire line. Uh, however, people like Marco Polo, Marco Polo definitely went to China. I feel it's a fact there was a woman in the 1990s who tried to claim he didn't. Most people have rejected her claims, and they've presented really strong cases for him going to China. This does not mean, however, that he got his Asian history right, because he actually identified Prester John with this uh, dude named Ong Khan, or Togrul, who was the blood, who was the early ally of uh, Temujin, later Genghis Khan, and his, and his dad's blood brother, and later, you know, he got killed by him in a war. And so, 
Hong Kong is supposedly Prester, was supposedly Prester John, according to Marco Polo. Now, obviously, this is just Polo trying to frantically uh, find someone, anyone, to uh, identify Prester John with, since Togrul was actually Nestorian. So, you know, I guess that's the closest you can get. Here. However, in the 1330s, when the Mongol Empire was was breaking up and not looking so invincible anymore, and people were starting to give up on them, and they had been giving up on them, I suppose, after the 12, 1258, when at the Battle of Ain the Mongols had been defeated by the Mamluks uh, in, in in Israel, or was it Syria? Somewhere in the Middle East. So they were about to invade Egypt. So imagine if the Mongols had invaded Egypt. Maybe they'd have pulled down the pyramids. God knows what they'd have done. So anyway, uh, the... But in any case, the Mongols didn't invade Egypt, and by the 1330s, a decade before the Black Death, an embassy arrived in Europe, and who should it be but the Ethiopians? Now, the Ethiopians had actually been Christian since, like, the 300s AD, and although they weren't Catholic, they were actually, you know, Ethiopian Orthodox, because, you know, uh, they they were kind of, you know, in case you couldn't tell from the Ethiopian part, um, they were still a powerful Christian nation, and so they hadn't been contacted much since the rise of Islam because they were surrounded on all sides by Muslim kingdoms now, but in the 1330s they managed to do it. Well, not 1330s, 1300s is more specific. And so people were like, oh. Huzzah, we've been proven right. There That's was a Prester John. And, so, and, and like, presumably you'd ask them, oh, I thought he was in India or somewhere in Asia, and they'd be like, oh no, Ethiopia's kind of close to Asia, right? Basically, anything that is remotely foreign is just, like, India. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah, so they talk about... Yeah, so they talk about... Yeah, so they uh keep trying to... They're very insistent that Prester John is in Ethiopia. Just even when the, like, uh, the Ethiopians who... Like, there are Ethiopians at the church council, uh, the Council of Florence in 1441, and ambassadors from Emperor Zara Yaqob, or Constantine I, as he, his throne name goes, attend. And so people are like, oh, it's Prester John's diplomats. And they're like, what do you mean, Prester John? Yep, we, they were kind of he out has of a lot, loop. He has a lot of names, but, like, w- I don't know what, you, what Prester John means. And they were like, it is Prester John! Praise be! And they're, uh, you know, like, what? It's... It, it feels sort of delusional, like... They were really trying to make it a thing. Yeah, in 14, even in 1428, the king of Aragon was trying to negotiate a marriage between him and Prester John's kingdom, a.k.a. Ethiopia, which, you know, first why of all... They, why would they want to marry into your... Yeah, Aragon's not that, it's, you know... They have, like, 72 kings under them. They can choose any one of those king's daughters. Yeah, so people... Talked about Prester John. Also, shouldn't Prester John be dead by now? Well, no, but like by this point, it had become accepted that Prester John was a throne name, uh, okay. sort of like Pharaoh in Egypt, and so they were like, "Oh, okay. he is the Prester John." That's kind of stupid. If the last part is John, right? Shouldn't it just be Prester then? Well, not necessarily, because all the kings of the Cleopatra's dynasty were named Ptolemy. Ptolemy the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Prester John does make up an appearance in a lot of different uh, 1500s and 1600s sources. Usually, the some of these are like fiction, for instance. So you know, so there is uh, so there is a book in 1607 known as "The Most Pleasant History of Tom of Lincoln," and 
I mean, there's chapters like, what happened to the Red Rose Knight and his company in the court of Prester John? And how the Red Rose Knight slew a dragon with three tongues in the same country. So, like, Prester John has become a sort of fantasy character. Some people even claim that Prester John, like, there was a Frisian dude and, and, and named Sufridus Petrus in 1597. And the Frisians, by the way, are in the Netherlands. They're a group in the Netherlands. They live in Friesland, right? Yeah. And so this Frisian writer was like, oh, Prester John was actually a Frisian dude who went to India and conquered the savage Indians. And I wonder why he them. thinks he was Frisian. Weirdly enough, no one who wasn't Frisian seemed to care about this I identification. Wonder I wonder why. He was absolutely, you know, nuts. Uh, however, I should point out that there was... That, bef- that, bef- that there was an uneasy tension in this period between... Uh, Ethiopia and th- and a dude, another dude who was actually probably more popular than uh, than uh, press than uh, not Prester th- than Marco Polo and his name was John Mandeville. Now John Mandeville, just like Prester John, did not exist. I repeat, John Mandeville claimed to be an English knight who roamed all over the Middle East, Asia, Africa. And if you look him up on his Wikipedia page, he's got a funny-looking portrait. And he did not exist, just like Prester John. But he claimed he had visited Prester John, and that there were supposedly, in in, in his kingdom, a, a tree with lamb, a vegetable lamb, which, 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 a plant which grew lambs on its branches. And, it, and the lambs would weigh down the branches so that they could lean down and eat on the grass, which is a very stupid way of doing things. He also claimed that the pyramid... He also claimed that the pyramids... Like, John... Mandeville is likely to have never traveled farther than a good library, which I think is... That's a phrase I borrowed from somewhere I don't remember where, but it's so funny. And he claims that Professor John is real and that he's totes cool and he repeats all of this BS, but like... And people really liked his book, like... Christopher Columbus had a copy of, um, he had a copy of Prester John annotated, not Prester John, of John Mandeville annotated and ready to go on the journey. How do, I want like, how, was, like, fake travels a, like, a booming industry or no? Because I I feel like. I think so. I think John Mandeville seems to have been unique in this. It seems like a flash in the pan. Like, for all the, the people doing this, you'd assume that more people would try faking accounts considering how much attention they got. But I mean, that's true, but also. Maybe they just were just. Think of how little people can read. Maybe they were just lost to time because people couldn't pick them out amongst the sea of other fake accounts, so. Yes, yeah, so John Mandeville goes into a lot more marvels, but I won't bore you with those because those are absolutely insane. But people, even in Ethiopia, even during Ethiopia, like, there's people, like, in the 1600s, there is a, in 1600, Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, the William Shakespeare, wrote his famous play, Much Ado About Nothing, and in it, Act 2, Scene 1, there's a very comedic scene where Beach, where he, where, uh, uh, Benedict and Beatrice, the enemies turned lovers later on. At this point, they're enemies, and so Benedict, you know, doesn't want to talk to Beatrice, and so he's like, and he's like, oh no, I see her approaching, and she's, and and he's like, oh oh no, w- w- will your grace command me any service to the world's end? I will go on the slightest errand now to the antipodes that you can devise me to send me on. I will fetch you a toothpick f- now from the furthest inch of Asia, bring you the length of Prester John's foot. 
Fetch you a hair off the great Khan's beard. Do you any embassy to the pygmies rather than hold three words conference with this harpy? So, you know, Professor John has turned into somewhat of a joke, sort of a mythical figure along with uh, the great Khan of the Mongols, who they didn't know wasn't that that powerful anymore because he hadn't been back there in 300 years. And also the pygmies of crane fight and fame in Africa and whatnot. So, So what happened to Prester John? Well, by seven... Well... In the 1600s, as the 1600s wore on, people began to suspect that Prester John had been wrongly identified as the king of Ethiopia, and they went back to Asia, and they were like, oh, maybe he was here, but he was, like, just a Christian king who got defeated, and now he's no longer here. And so that's what Voltaire thought. Some people actually thought that he was the Dalai Lama, because they saw some patterns which looked like crosses, and they were like, this man is Christian. Uh... No. And also, a cross is literally two sticks intersecting. Anything could look like it. Why do I feel they saw a swastika and thought it was a cross? I, I, have I no honestly proof. feel like they did. They I have like, no proof of this, but, like, sticks, I feel... Things intersecting, Christian enough for me. There were also a lot of people who claim... Like, you should... Like, I mean, it's insane. They're like, oh... There's a... Like, there, there was a... I'll just read you an excerpt of one of the writers because he uh, is trying very hard to prove that Prester John was uh, real. Yeah, there was a dude named Geronimo Lobo, and he was a Portuguese Jesuit missionary in the sixteen in sixteen sixty nine who wrote a book about Ethiopia, and he said that Prester John comes from that the word Prester John comes from the custom that custom of the Ethiopians where they quote unquote present their petitions, and cry, John Koi, i.e. my king, John signifying king, and Koi my, which supposed for the clearer proof of what I endeavor to evince, you are to be reminded. And so he then goes on to say, John, sacerdote and pre... You know, Sacerdote and Presbytero were the same, and the Latin's called Presbyter, and the French Prester, and this word jointed John, begets Prester John, which means Prester John, intending the same. No, he, these people are very clever. And so there's another person, for instance, who claims, oh, Prester John, um, that is a word for, that, that comes from the, that comes from the Portuguese word for black and the Arabic word for spring. And that means black, the black springs, aka the people, the black people around the springs. And that is Ethiopia. And that, and I'm like, what, how are you getting this? It's, it's actually insane. And I've, yeah. And he claims that, and this act, and the dude who actually asks this, and I feel like this is a sort of a good place to sort of wrap up before we get into the conclusion, was a dude named Remedius Prutki, who had traveled far from his homeland in, in the modern-day Czech Republic, and he was a Franciscan friar who visited Ethiopia in 1752. And he actually asked the Ethiopian emperor if he had ever heard of the title, Prester John, because he was in the Ethiopian court trying to convert people to Christianity. To Catholicism, and he's like, yeah, you know, have you, have you ever heard Good of... Good a time as any. You know, you know who Prester John is? He stated that the man was, quote-unquote, astonished and told me that the kings of Abyssinia, the old title for Ethiopia, had never been accustomed to call themselves by this name. A.K.A. No one has ever... What? So one scholar has even said that the Ethiopian monarchs were likely unaware of this title up until he asked it, which I think is really hilarious. Like... You know what would have been really funny if they heard it from him and thought it was cool and started calling themselves yeah, that? Yeah, totally. We're, uh, we're Prester John, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
what's uh, what's a Prester John? I don't know. Uh, what well, who was that? And so, who? And so, Prester John's legacy. Well, Prester John is a bit more present in pop culture than you might think. There is, in fact, a Marvel Comics character known as Prester John. Although, to be fair, there is a Marvel Comics character for everyone. I feel. I, I think Santa exists in the. Uh, Marvel Universe is an actual person. Prester John in this version is a villain who opposes Thor, Deadpool, and the Fantastic Four and can use the evil eye and concussive energy blasts and use the Stone of Power, which... Is okay. probably, like... Also based loosely on the Christian King? I, I feel like he's not really based on him at all. Well, he has the name and he has superpowers, which is just kind of a continuation that's of every, the legend. That's every legendary king, though. Yeah, so he also appears, he also figures prominently in the famous Italian writer Umberto Eco's 2000 novel Baudolino, where the title character known as Baudolino enlists his friends to help him write the letter of Prester John for his adoptive father, Frederick Barbarossa. And then they go to find the kingdom of Prester John, you know, just to see, because they're bored, I guess. And that is the point at which it turns from historical fiction to pure fantasy, and they actually seem to like weirdly go into a um a sort of fantasy land sort of like the ancient greek and roman conceptions of asia and they, they do find prester john but then it's destroyed by the huns and then they go into constantinople which is again which by that point is undergoing which is now undergoing the fourth crusade where the crusaders are ruining everything and so the what is the conclusion we should draw from Prester John? Is there a moral to this story? If there is a moral, I would suggest that it's in the face... Like, if you have so much evidence, and this is so important nowadays, if you have so much evidence telling you what you believe is wrong, please, for the love of God, revise your opinion. Like, I don't care how attached you are. Atta holding on to it will do you... Not more damage, because it didn't do that much damage. Well... No, no, it did, because they kept on thinking the Ethiopian king was this sort of, like, weird figure known as Prester John, when he wasn't, and it's like, he's a powerful Christian monarch, but he is not this, you know, wonder maker, and I don't... And like... another uh, fun story is that throughout time, people have always flexed about things that they don't have. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's pr that's pretty much it. And so... Today's uh, eight Lamborghinis and million-dollar house are really no different from Prester John's 18 biblical sites in his kingdom. So, that's it for this week. Next time we're going to be talking... Uh, we're going to be returning to the Tudors, and for the penultimate episode of the... Penultimate? No, yeah, no, it's not the penultimate. It's the third-to-last episode. And... Wait, hold no, right, it's the, wait, is that, are we doing another one after the wives? There's, like, uh, one, two, yes, yeah, th three, we can fit in a third one. So, like, yeah, so th there's, we're gonna have, uh, so, um, so the next, so, just a quick rundown, I'm going to be leaving for Oxford, where I'm, go where I'm starting school, on September 26th, and so, I'm going to have to finish this sort of season one of the podcast up by then and so what the game plan for this podcast will look like is next week we're going to be talking about Catherine Howard the fifth wife of Henry VIII the next week after that we're going to be talking about Henry's final wife Catherine Parn. we're going to be finishing off the Tudors and then on the final week we're going to be talking about George Salmanazar the man who claimed he was Taiwanese even though he manifestly wasn't and so just to give a preview would you describe Catherine Howard 
from what you know of her, in five words. And try not to be too cruel, because uh, I feel like we might have some Catherine Howard scans listening to this. Tudor Britney Spears. Oh. Yeah, so that's... That, it's three, so it's actually two under par, which is pretty good. Yeah, so we'll talk about her next time. Hers is a very sad story, and she was failed by a lot of men in her life. But she tried her best, but unfortunately, one wrong mis- one mistake, one big mistake, mind you, and she found herself on the executioner's block. So, see you next time. Uh, goodbye. Bye.